0: Well, good morning, FCC Church. Good morning. There we go. That was a little bit lively. How is everybody this morning?
1: Hey, hey, hey.
0: <laughs> uh, could you please stand up and worship along with us?
2: 12 twelve fourteen, pursue peace with everyone and holiness without it no one will see the lord amen to that let's pray lord thank you for uh loving us thank you for letting us know you thank you for the word of god so we can understand you a bit better father thank you for this this building that we can come and, and proclaim that we love you god thank you for this community of believers that will come and join so we can raise our hands together god thank you for all the ups and downs in this life thank you for this life just i pray amen well good morning Hey, it's a nice, sweaty afternoon in in Arizona. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're worshiping. Hey, if you are worshiping online, we're glad you're here with us uh, sometime during the service. If you're online or in person, when you take a a moment to fill out your connection card. Hey, it is our our family worship day, so it's a quick reminder. Uh, If you've got kids here, there's little uh, adventure packets back there. But Otherwise, we came to praise God, so let's do that.
0: Corinthians 3.18, we all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit.
1: I'm
0: Matthew 18.15 If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. I need you. Oh, I need you. Walking down these desert roads, water for my thirsty soul. I need you. Oh, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears It's like holy water on my skin Dead man walking, slave to sin. is yeah. yeah. the sound of a symphony to my ears. It's like holy water. Your forgiveness is like sweet
2: I need, to, I need to apologize I've been feeling guilty all morning and my wife actually made it worse when she came into first service today and she looked at me and said your shoes are ridiculous I'm wearing house slippers I got cuts all over my feet from some coral and so whenever I put leather shoes on it makes water come out of my eyes it's not crying it's just leaking <laughs> and I felt really bad because I've already been really self-conscious because I, I just learned this week there was a headline came out and I didn't know this was a thing or not um but apparently there's this big trend. All these preachers are being found to collect vintage high-end sneakers. So there's a guy who goes to each church, and he takes pictures. It's called preachers and sneakers, and these guys have like these $5,000 shoes on, and so I'm afraid since I don't wear $5,000 sneakers, you guys are not going to be able to hear me. So I'm afraid that my my house shoes are gonna mess up my ability to properly talk about God's word. So if it is, I'm I'm really I'm really sorry, family. I apologize. Huh? (laughs) What? Hey we're gonna be so far, if if you can hear me, we're gonna be in the book of James. We're going to be there for a little while. We're going to stay. It's, it's a big chunk of passage here, so we can't read it over and over and over. In fact, we might, we might skip a verse or two, so if that's the case, uh, this evening when you go home, read it again. Find out what I've, I've missed, and uh, you go from there. So we're going to be in James chapter 3. I'll give you just a second to turn there. James chapter 3. All right, let's read. James chapter 3, verse 1 following. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, <clears throat> able also to bridle, bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the, the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. We're gonna stop there. You know, first, personally, personally, if we're gonna look at this chunk of scripture here, um, James is not doing the church much help right here. His very first words, "'Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, "'for you know that we who teach "'will be judged with greater strictness.'" You know, I'm gonna tell you, if, if we had a church hiring party right now, I'm not hiring James as our recruiter. This is a terrible, this is a terrible passage to recruit, and in, in fact, if we were recruiting right now, and you were asking questions, I would avoid talking about James. But what's, what's interesting to know, and, and anyone that knows scripture, and if you do or don't, I'll, let me refresh your memory. James was written to a group of people who were already following Jesus. So Jesus, James was written as a book to believers to help them from knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus better. It's, it's essentially what a lot of people call is the maturity book, uh, the growth book. You'll see different ways to describe James. James is supposed to help believers grow a little deeper in their faith. And so this passage here is is really an unusual passage, because it starts out with, if you're a teacher, you're going to be judged stricter, but then right after, James does something really odd. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone who does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. It's really, it's an unusual passage of words, and it's, it's easy to overlook this and lose the significance of what's going on. So here we have this passage. James is saying, if you're going to teach, you're going to be judged a little harsher. But then he flips it around, and then he says, everyone messes up. Why is that? Because I, I believe what he's talking about is, is very simple in the Christian faith. This is about hypocrisy. See, he's not saying in order to be part of the authority of a church, or the leadership of a church, you have, to be, you have to be perfect. He's saying that's not the case because everyone messes up and it's even more interesting when you take this passage about everyone's stumbles in context of what was going on. At this point in time, when James wrote this book, there were bodies of believers, and they would get together to have a meal and worship together, and there were people who thought they were better than the other people in the group based on their wealth, based on their knowledge, based on their situation in life. So it's really funny that James threw this out here, talking about the authority and the leadership and the teachers of the church, and then he backs out and says no one's perfect. And honestly, if you don't hear anything else in today's scripture, maybe it's this. Maybe you're reading James 2, and you're hearing it just like the people heard it when he first wrote it, and they're sitting together with the body of believers, and they're looking around, and they're saying, I feel inferior in people in this group. I feel like I'm the only one who sinned. And James is saying, no, no brothers. Everyone here is messing up. So if you take nothing out today, and this is it, I'm going to tell you right here, there is no one in this church that's perfect. So you look to the left, the right, front, back, and you maybe think that their life is better than you or they're not having struggles like you are. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Everyone in this room has sinned. Everyone in this room has stumbled. Everyone in this room is messed up. Don't feel inferior. But let's get back on because this this is neat here. So he's saying, if you're teaching... You're going to be judged harsher. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it's, it's really difficult recruiting teachers. Do you know that? No one wants to teach. They don't want to stay up late on Saturdays. Um, they don't want to get their material ready. They don't want to have the material so ready they're afraid someone's going to ask them a question they're not ready about. They're afraid they're not going to speak properly or clearly or, or concisely. So in this passage, James is coming out and he's saying, you're going to be judged harsher. It's not about just simply teaching. It's about, it's about hypocrisy. And for me, this is what hypocrisy would look like for me. What, what's an easy sin or a temptation I can pick on? What would, what would be an easy sin or temptation? I got one. Maybe I got on stage and I, I wanted to really pick on people that had gambling addictions. I could really, really lay it on about gambling addictions. you know why it would be easy for me to really lecture about gambling addictions? Because I don't have it. I could really lecture really good because I don't struggle with that. But maybe I only talked about that and I, I didn't talk about something. I, I, maybe I personally struggle with buying old, broken down, worn out, junky cars and repairing them and driving my family crazy. I don't want to talk about that. Why? We don't want to talk about that addiction. Why? Because that, that actually affects us. See, hypocrisy is very simple. When these discussion of hypocrisy, it's when you, you say one thing and you do the exact opposite when you pretend to be one way and you do the exact opposite. That's what James is saying. You need to be careful with this here. And let me give you some more church history to tell you why this is really important. I don't know if there's a lot of readers here. A book came out a few years ago. It's called The Da Vinci Code. Maybe you read it, but in The Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown came out, and in this book, he discussed the Council of Nicaea. And a lot of you may or may not have heard the Council of Nicaea, but let me give you a quick review. Now, what Dan Brown said of the Council of Nicaea, he said uh, Emperor Constantine got together with all the church leaders, and what they did is all these church leaders and the emperor got together, and they got all of the religious books about Jesus together, all the writings, all the letters, and it says they put them together, and then they started moving stuff around for the secret agenda they had. And so according to Dan Brown in the Da Vinci Code, the Bible was formed because the emperor got rid of certain texts because he had a secret program he was going towards. But it's not the first time that came out. In the 18th century, a historian, Voltaire, wrote a book, and he described the Council of Nicaea like this. He said all the emperor and all the church leaders got together, and they put all the religious books on a table, and then they bowed and prayed and then they waited and for whatever books fell off the table those were not real books they were the fake ones and that's what they said in the 18th century the problem is is that's not really true either see the way that this book here is formed it was going for a long time because their people were writing letters and and as this book was being formed they were taking the material that was completely contradictory to the the, the Gospels, to the life of Jesus, and they were saying this, this is not even close to being accurate of what Jesus did. There are writings that said Jesus had a, a wife and children and she, he left them to go minister when he was 30 years old. There's writings that say Jesus didn't really die, he just went back to his family. And what they did is, is when this book was being formed, they were getting rid of the garbage that was out there floating around that was completely and 100% historically not accurate with jesus this is important for us today why because when this was happening what was going on was they would have a bunch of believers come right you would have this group of people over here say i'm following jesus and this group of people over here saying i'm following jesus and this group of people over there saying i'm following jesus but their methods of communication were drastically different than us They didn't have Facebook, they didn't have Instagram, they couldn't Snapchat their their Bible lessons. So each of these groups started taking their their knowledge of Jesus and adding to it. And so this group over here would, would add a letter or a book or some writings about it, and this group over here would write some about it, and this group over here, and there are all sorts of different documents, like the Gospel of Thomas, Uh, the Shepherd of Hermas, the Apocalypse of Peter, the Epistle of Barnabas. And see, each group had their own writing. And so they would take something that was kind of true. They would take part of the gospel, part of Jesus' life, and they would say, I like that, but we're going to add something to it. And so before, before the Bible was formed and complete, what it was was a whole bunch of these writings by people who said, I love Jesus, but they changed things. They changed it to, to match their clique, their group, their surrounding, or their needs, or their, their wants. So, here's the problem. See, we don't have that today. We, we don't. It's, it's just simply, now the, the Bible has informed uh, people have gotten rid of some of the garbage that was in, untrue and inaccurate, things that contradicted, they got rid of all that. We have this Bible, we have it now, and so we don't have the same struggles they do then, but here's, here's where it comes. You ready for it? We have something different. And a lot of you are going to tone this out because you're going to say, I'll never be a teacher in the church. And I'm going to tell you something sad. Are you ready? If you've been in church for a while and you say, you go to your friend, you say, hey, I'm going to this church, or I, I love Jesus, I want to introduce you to Jesus. You'll say, I've been following Jesus for five, 10 years, maybe twenty. When you do that, Someone's going to look at you and say, they've been following Jesus for 10 years. Do you know what that makes you? That makes you an authority in church. And see, in this, in this passage here, James chapter 3, that word teacher, that word teacher is not always translated teacher. Oftentimes it's trans I shouldn't say often, sometimes it's translated the word master, which means authority. And so family, I'm going to tell you a sad news here. If you've been to the church for a long time, and you're inviting people to come and worship and know this Jesus, they're gonna look at you with authority. They're gonna say, that person knows about Jesus. And so we don't have the problems that the old church had. What we have now is something way different. It's called I think, I feel. That's what we have now. See, someone will come to you and they'll they'll assume, they'll say, this person's been following Jesus for 20 years, I got a question for him. And they'll ask you this question, and we all know, brothers and sisters, people ask some very unusual questions and sometimes we don't have an answer. And so they'll say, so and so, what do you think of such and such? And this is where it comes bad. They'll say, I think, and they'll answer, or they'll say, I feel, and then they'll answer. And as an authority in the church, what's going to be the problem is someone's going to look at that and say, that person's been following Jesus for 20 years. They told me this. It's got to be true. Feelings become facts really quickly, and we're not careful. And so when James is talking about be careful of you not becoming teachers, it's not saying you have to be perfect, but it's saying be very careful with what you're teaching. Be very careful with the, the, the things that you're saying and the way you're talking about it because oftentimes people will look at that and say, well, they said it, it has to be true. It has to be true. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give you a lesson here. These are my favorite words I've probably, I probably ever learned and I didn't learn them by spending millions of years in seminary or all the money. I didn't learn it there. I'm gonna tell you some of the most important words I've ever learned in ministry. And you ready for it? You can write it down if you want. Pay attention. Here it is. That's a good question. I'm not sure. Let me get back to you. That is probably, no lie, that is probably one of the most valuable statements I have ever learned in my entire time is to say, I don't know. Let me get back to you. And that's what James is talking about here because a lot of us in this church, even if you like it or not, people are gonna look at you and say, that person's been to church for a long time. They've gotta know what they're talking about. And when you use I think, I feel, you have to be careful because to that person, it might now be fact. It might now be gospel truth because they look at you and they hold you in such a high regard and they have, they have this esteem for you. They say they, they definitely know. They're gonna hear it and say It's true. And that's what James is warning you about He's saying be careful with what you're saying Be careful with what comes out of your mouth It's always okay to say I don't know the answer uh, I've gotten the questions my, One of my favorite is they said Jerry tell me every time an angel was named in scripture I'm like come on man Why would you do that And I had to say the answer there Let me get back to you I don't know Alright let's, let's read again This time we're going to move down just a, just a hair I think that's number three I think it's verse three How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison that brings us to our second point and it's very easy to put here it's the lack of control sometimes sometimes of course never me. Never me. Sometimes people have a hard time controlling their tongue. Certainly not me. I would never, ever say something I regret. I would never get so angry I say some really hurtful things. Luckily, luckily I never struggle with that. But for other people, some people struggle with this lack of control of the tongue. Some people, and I I might hurt some feelings here, if this is you, I'm kind of sorry and I'm kind of not. Some people Almost seem to be proud of their inability to control their tongue. And they, they have sayings, and, and maybe if you've got one you've heard, I mean you can you can fill me in because I keep all my sermons just in case you guys run me out. I can preach somewhere else. I'll add it to my notes. They have a saying, and they'll say something like this: they'll say, I speak my mind. Or someone else will say, I have no filter. Or someone will say, Oh, I tell it like it is. Or I don't sugarcoat it. Oh, these are the best ones. When someone says, no offense, but... And you know whatever comes next. There's going to be some offense. Or they'll say, it's just who I am. Or it's just how I was raised. and Then they say the next words, I don't know why I don't have very many friends. See, Sometimes I believe people are oftentimes almost proud of their inability to control what's coming out of their mouth. What's ironic here is, is this passage here uses three analogies. Did you catch all three when it talks about the tongue? The horse, the ship, the forest fire. Do you see those three? Those three huge analogies here are used in reference to a tongue, and it makes me laugh because this lack of control, I believe people don't realize the lack of control they have on their tongue after whatever they've said is out their mouth. Have you ever tried to to calm down an angry horse? Bit or no bit, angry horses move. It it is how it is. You've got this very strong animal and it's talking about this and the same thing. You, You control it with this bit in its mouth by moving it around or even better, how about the rudder of a ship? I worked with a guy, and uh, he would work part-time with me, and the other time, he was working on a gambling cruise boat. He wanted to be the captain of, the, of one of the, the ships that go out and gamble on the, the river, and he was talking one day, several days, about what an incredible talent it is taking these huge boats, and you have to take it out on the river. It's part of the state law, and he was talking about trying to get this massive boat out from the dock in flowing water and then bringing that boat back to the dock. And he said to take a boat and redock it against the current is incredible. That's why he said so many of these, these big captains that run these boats are paid so strong. He said it's an art that takes years and years and years of practice. He said it's so bad now that all the gambling boats, they're older, they're, they're putting the jets on the bottom of the boat that will actually help shoot the water to, to redock it. Why? Because it's so hard to control this massive dock with even such a small rudder. It will move it, but it's a challenge. Or even better, a forest fire. You guys, we're in forest fire capital here we know what it's like we we see the the threats we know the warning don't flick your cigarettes outside the car don't don't light fireworks by the grass we know why because how fast is one spark out of control and it's funny that he uses these three analogies when discussing the tongue why because i believe all three of these things once they have begun it is almost impossible to get control of them again See, this lack of control is not necessarily about what, what's coming out of your mouth. It's about the damage that is done once it leaves your mouth. There's a military saying, and I'm, I'm sure a few of you have heard it. I won't say it word per word, but it, it, it's essentially paraphrased, meaning the bad stuff rolls downhill. So you, you take, for instance, someone high up in the... the hierarchy of the military he's in a bad mood she's in a bad mood they yell at someone underneath them what's that person do that person then yells the person underneath them then it goes on down down until the very lowest person has been yelled at why because it's rolling downhill that's the exact same thing what happens in a church see we take someone who doesn't have control of their tongue they come into a building they set the place on fire and it rolls downhill one person's injured by the word so what do they do an injured dog always bites they bite the next person. What do they do? They bite the next person. It goes down. This, is, this passage here, these three analogies, is clearly pointing out that the person who does not have control of their tongue, once it's out, they don't have control of what's being said. What's within the confines of this church or churches in general, this happens all the time. I have a book in my office for part of my master's degree, and it was called Firestorm, and it was, it's was an interesting writing. It was only dealing with ministers and pastorals. And it came out, and a survey came out, when a pastor quit the ministry, not the church quit the ministry. That means they were done. Doesn't mean they went to a different church. It means they were done in the church. The study came out, ministers quit ministry over one family. One. It took one family to run a minister out, not out of the church out of the calling out of the ministry all the money they spent for education all the classes all the time all the work one family got them to quit in my years of being in the church i have found that most people when they quit the church because their their feelings are hurt they quit the church because of one person one they're not mad at god they're not disappointed in god they're not having a crisis of faith. It's one person who has caused enough hurt, they say, I'm done, I gotta go. And what's ironic is oftentimes the person or people that have done the damage has the thinnest skin I've ever seen. If you were to dare to talk to them the way they spoke to someone else, they would. it would be a crisis. They'd say, why are you talking to me like that? Who would say, you talk to people like that? Or what's even worse, and this happens more than it should, is they lose the ability to control their tongue. They say something they shouldn't have said. The fire has been let loose. All this chaos, people are hurt, people are crying, feelings have just been destroyed, relationships over, and they'll come in, we usually meet in here. I like to be in here, especially during the week. The church is nice, it's cool, it's kind of kinda dark, it's nice, shadowy, it's peaceful in here. I like it here. And they'll say, I messed up. They'll acknowledge whatever they said and, and they'll say this. How can I fix it? I'll say, You can't. You can't fix it. What came out of your mouth is out of your mouth. Now you have to wait the damage is done. You no longer have control of the words out of your mouth. You simply have to wait. And they'll say, I want to fix it. And I'll say, you can't. Only time will fix this one. We had this saying, we, we teach kids, and it might be one of the most, I'm sorry, maybe this is a bad word to some people, but it might be one of the most idiotic sayings I have ever heard in my life. And we we teach our kids this all the time, and somehow we think it's a good idea, and I'm I'm sorry if this is you too. We say sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I'm thinking (laughs) that is the worst teachings I have ever heard. I have ever heard. We can't teach our kids words don't hurt you. Why? Words in marriages, words in friendships, words in relationships, words cause wars, words split churches. So sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Come on. No way. Words cause death. People take their life because of words. People take someone else's life because of words. What James is doing is he's talking to these believers that are coming together. And see, James is the maturity book, the growth book, and he's reminding them that when those words leave your mouth, horse boat fire they're almost impossible to control they're almost impossible to control one more passage or one more reading and then we're done we're going to skip just a hair maybe not with it we bless bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God from the same mouth come blessings and cursing my brothers these things ought not to be so Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This brings us to the last one. This is very easy. I don't want to spend too much time, but, but this passage here is an indication of health. We've got this growing trend in our in our world, in our lives, and we love this. We love saying, Well, you can't judge. You know what Jesus said about judging judge not or you'll be judged so you can't judge me and what we're doing is we're loudly saying you can't ever look at me and saying i'm wrong or you can't look at me and say what i'm doing is wrong because that's not what what jesus said what's funny about this passage this has nothing to do with looking at someone else this passage has to do with looking at yourself so i'm safe huh you can't yell at me after church i'm not judging you you have to judge yourself in this regard james is telling people to analyze yourself and it's easy to do people can sit in a church and you could discount certain passages based on your personality you can say oh i'm shy so when jesus said go to the you know go make disciples of all nations that's not really me or maybe if you don't want to control your tongue you can look at this passage and say nah god made me kind of kind of you know a big mouth a little bit i don't want to listen to it not who i am it's easy to look at this passage and say nah only reason they're talking about this in church is probably because someone last week said something rude to someone else this week, and now they're just trying to take care of the drama. I don't care what they have to say. It does does not apply to me. That is wrong. That is wrong. This passage about a tongue is an indication of health, and this is an indication of health that only you can evaluate on yourself. It is crystal clear. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You can't say, I love God with one sentence and turn around and say, I hate people with the next. It doesn't work. You can't say, I want to I follow Jesus with all my life in one sentence and then turn around and tear someone down the next. It doesn't work. This is an indication of health. This is an indication of your priorities. Why? Because no one else can control your tongue. No one else can control what comes out of your mouth, the way you speak, the way you interact, the way you live. This is not to do with with calming drama in the church. This is not about not hurting feelings in the church. What this is, is simply put how close are you to God? That's the whole book of James, is trying to help believers who know Jesus get deeper in Jesus. It's an indication of health. It's where you are with your spiritual walk. In your spiritual walk, can you look at people in this congregation and in the world and look at them and say, Jesus loves them. They might drive me crazy, but Jesus loves them. I'm gonna love them too. Or you have to be the kind of person that says, I gotta speak my mind. And only you can decide that. As our band comes up to lead us in the song of decision, if you've not made a decision to use your mouth and loudly proclaim, Jesus, you're my Lord, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna tell you today's the day, come on down. Hey, if you're watching online, you wanna make a a choice for Jesus, I'm gonna say, come on down, we'll we'll welcome you with open arms. Maybe you're having a rough week, Uh, you feel like there's a forest fire in your personal life, hey, uh, we'll come on down, we'll we'll pray with you. Uh, If you're watching online on that connection card, with that number scroll on the screen, uh, there is a spot to put your prayer request. We check those out. We read them. If it's confidential, mark it. We won't, we won't share it. Otherwise, we'll pray about it. Or if you're a baptized believer and you want to be part of First Christian Church, hey, come on down. We'll, we'll welcome you. Let's, let's stand as we get ready to sing.
0: And everywhere I go I know you're not far away You're right here You're right here And everywhere I go I know you're not far away You're right
1: here You're right here
0: always there And everywhere
1: I go I know
0: you're not far away You're right here You're right here And everywhere I go I know you're not far away You're right here You're right here Everywhere I go, I know you're not far away, you're right here, you're right
2: One of my biggest pet peeves is Waste For instance, if I'm going to put a roof on the house I don't want to put shingles on I want to put metal Shingles don't last as long Part of the reason I don't like buying tires or buying shoes is because they wear out. Where we're doing these projects at camp, we're making things, and I say, let's use metal, let's not use wood. Wood doesn't last very long. and It always irritates me thinking about you know, how, time. What's time and what's waste and what's gonna go away and what's not. And anything I wanna do, I wanna make sure it lasts a long time so it's not a waste, but that's what this is about right here. See, in James chapter 6, verse 35, when Jesus said these words, and I know you've heard them, I am the bread of life, Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, this is, this is eternal. It's not something that's going to change in a week. It's not something that's going to go away. It's, it's something that will last. Everything that we do at this table when we come together and we, we bow our head and we say, God, we messed up this week. Will you forgive me again? It's eternal. It's things that we're talking about that's going to last forever. Something that's not going to wither away, that's going to be cooked by the sun or wear out. This table and this juice and this cracker, this is eternal. This is what we're going to be doing when we spend our time in heaven. We get to sit with Jesus. So it, this is important. Let's pray. God, thank you for letting us, letting us realize sometimes that some things last and some things don't. God, I, I ask you to help us with our priorities. Um, allow us to focus on things that are eternal, things that last forever, and allow us to put away some of the things that don't matter quite as much. Lord, thank you for what was offered to us on that cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the the forgiveness of my sins, of our sins. God, thank you for loving us. Jesus, I pray,
1: amen.
3: I don't know, those look like they could be $5,000 sneakers. In, in your bulletin, we have our announcements for this week. This evening, we have an old school Singspiration going on at 5 p.m. until probably about six thirty, seven o'clock. If you'd like to hear the old hymns of the faith, we're going to have people from some other churches come in, and that's going to be happening at 5. Jerry has all of his youth activities this evening. Roger's group is going to go to the Singspiration. Um, if you're going to come to that, if you could bring some sandwiches so that we can share them. The men's pan pa- pancake breakfast is next Saturday. Uh, can you crank me down just a little? I sound loud. Um, is next Saturday from 7 to 10, to 10 a.m. You see the announcement about that. It's a good breakfast. Operation Christmas Child still accepting donations, and you can see that in the bulletin. They're going to have a packing party Monday from 10 to 12, if you'd like to help with that. We're still trying to collect empty rectangular Kleenex boxes for Kids Way Project. And Lori's going to have her life group uh, starting on Wednesday, September 6th. And there's an information about that, and there'll be a sign-up sheet so that they can get material for you. Um, this week, the adult Bible study fires back up. I sent out the lesson, so we'll start that back up again. And I think, I think that's all the announcements. Everything else is in the bulletin for you. Also, so on the back, oh, the, uh, one other thing, I want, two things I want to mention. Um, Primetime, we're going to go to uh, Bright Spot next month. So if you'd like to sign up for that, we'll get a sign-up sheet out here soon. Also, Narrow Path is going to go to Fort Wachuca in, I think it's November, so we're telling you way in advance, so if you want to go on the off-road adventure, you need to go to the fort if you don't already have a pass and get one, and don't bring any firearms, please. Um, We've never had anybody arrested yet, but anyway, uh, we'll have a really good time there. It's a lot of fun, so the November one, which is a few months out, you can start trying to get your pass. I need to go get mine renewed. On the back side of your bulletin, we have our prayer concerns, our prayers of praise. We have a lot of people we've been praying for with health issues. Uh, We have troops who are deployed Uh, we've been praying for. We're praying for our shut-ins. We're focusing in on Peach's Pantry. They are getting close to getting a facility. They just need to get the contract signed, so hopefully that works out. And then we're praying for Southern Mexico Mission and the work that Adrian and his family do in Southern Mexico. Adrian will be our Faith Promise speaker in February, so I'm looking forward to seeing him again. But other than that, I think that's all we have. So at this time, let's stand together. I'll close this for the word of prayer, and uh, the band will play a song for you to exit out with. Let's, let's go together in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come together to hear your word proclaimed. And Father, I know that when the word's proclaimed, it hits us all in different ways, and I just pray that we are open in our heart and our minds and to allow the Spirit to guide us in whatever has been said to us today through the word. Father, I pray that as we live life this week, we understand who you are, who we are, and how important it is that we don't mix those up and how important it is for us to tell you to tell other people about you it's in Jesus name that we pray amen
1: That's why I said I could be here Friday. <clears throat> as soon as I get back into town, i got to go over to the cancer center and have hydration. As soon as I get back. playing an upright bass. Yeah. Yeah. Even my fingers get narrow on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is that the strings are so far That would. The only thing bad about that, your calluses.